Hello, welcome in from the Bears podcast to the White Sox podcast. I am still here, Adam Hogue. What's going on? This is the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use that code CHGO to live your bet life and get up to $2,000 in free bets. Excited to do a White Sox podcast once again. It's like a reunion a little bit for, little bit. for Vinny because we used to do uh, the NBC Sports White Sox podcast a little bit. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I know. I'm certain. I'm like, where's Sean? Where's Herb? Am I in the, I'm in the right spot here today. Are they doing a tailgate uh, without me for the off day? I'm not quite sure, but uh, we got a great crew and uh, we're going to talk some Southside baseball here uh, in between West Coast series. Yeah. Herb is on his way to San Francisco, which I'm extremely jealous Very about jealous, uh, yes. for what should be a fun weekend for him. That is another great ballpark that I've yet to. There's a lot of ballparks I've driven by. Like right next to You could to rate it. the outside yeah. of ballparks? But okay. I've, but I've never been in them. What's That's, the best outside of a ballpark? Uh, best outside of a ballpark. Um, someone just yelled out Wrigley from the side. I would disagree wholeheartedly, even though I grew up in that neighborhood. <laughs> what, what about the Clark Street traffic do you enjoy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same thing about Fenway. Like, there's nowhere to go. In right field, like outside the right field, you're not on the show. Why do I always do yeah, this where I'm like exactly. talking to somebody no one else I'm can not, hear? Yeah, I'm not sure anybody else can even hear the other half of this conversation. <laughs> it's like no. being in the room with somebody who's on the phone and they're like, the person on the phone is talking to you. I don't know how Lord sucked me into that one. Anyway, um, I'm in for Sean today and uh, Herb, of course, is on his way to San Francisco and uh, we have a special guest today we as well because Zach Hayes is here um, who has one of the best Twitter handles. I, I think I've ever seen Pine Tar Keyboard at Pine Tar Keyboard. Where'd that come from? Really, really dumb inside joke from, uh, I, you know, I was really ahead of the wave in college with the ball doctoring thing. Uh, oh. with, I, I would slather Pine Tar all over the inside of my hat, and I was just really, really bad at it. So naturally, I got, I got a lot of flack for it. So when I had to make a new Twitter handle a few years ago, I thought, what is the dumbest baseball-related thing I could come up with that maybe three people will understand? Uh, and, and that's what came of it. Hey, so. George Brett's one of them. It, clearly. <laughs> He's one of those people. <laughs> you just had so much pine tar in your hands. It's permanently there. George Even Brett online. I am actually George Brett online. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Pretty good. Impressive. <laughs> uh, you can read Zach's content over at SB Nation Southside Sox blog, um, including his latest six-pack of stats from the Sox Angel series. Uh, he also writes for Baseball Prospectus and is the co-host of the Shaggin' Flies podcast. Awesome having you here, Zach. Thanks so much for having me. So Looking forward to it. We are going to, um, since it is an off day, go through some big picture items, um, which is probably better for my own mental health instead of rehashing the, uh, you know, we've been joking with Lawrence on the Bear Show um, about how I have a problem where I'll have, you know, my son's baseball game or work or some kind of event like early evening, and then I get home and I make the mistake of turning on, like, the Sox game, which is probably in the sixth or seventh inning. With these, with these West Coast games, I'm turning them on. It's more like the third or fourth you inning. You have to watch the whole thing. And, 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 and they God keep me up it. later. And then there's always something that just, just, just puts me in a bad mood before I go to bed. Even when they win, like the other day with that, that – uh, was that the day that Sebi? You're in a bad mood, and the day they scored 11 runs because no, Sebi, no, it wasn't that. Sebi no, no, got thrown no, out. No, I'm thinking base. of I'm thinking of the game they almost blew on Sunday when Jose Abreu just the monsters the stole yeah. his superpowers, <laughs> and all of a sudden he couldn't hold on to the ball. <laughs> like they won the game. He could use like, a little pine tar. Exactly. <laughs> you know. So anyway, we uh, had an in intervention on the show the other day. Yeah. I did not watch Tuesday's game. The one they won. One, the one they yeah, won, sure. and then so of course I got sucked back in. Last night, after the Vernon Hills Red Sox got third place in the league, by the way. All right. Um, so, congrats to my son, James. It was awesome coaching those guys. But then I came home, and then Larry Garcia's batting instead of Andrew Vaughn or um, Berger. Hey, and and hey. then I just got mad. But to my credit, I went to bed. I didn't watch the rest of the game. Don't, don't go to bed angry. You I know. Put, a, put on a song I you know. like. Have some ice cream. Do something that cheers you up. You're right getting you married this weekend. You, that's great advice for you. I should know better. And I, here I am giving it out. I don't even have any legs to stand on. Well, yet. I've mastered that with my wife. <laughs> I have not mastered it with my favorite baseball team. Seriously. There, well, there you go. <laughs> one strong relationship and one not so much. Chicago sports make it really difficult to not do that a yes. lot of the time. It's true. That's why you've got, you've got, you've got to budget out an extra five minutes before you go to bed. 
Just calm well, down. And that's what's great about baseball usually, though, is that when the Sox are bad, most of the time I can go to bed and think to myself, okay, there's another game tomorrow. It's going to be okay. As opposed to, like, you know, if the Bears get blown out on a Sunday night, I'm going to be in a bad mood related to football for, like, three days. I just yeah. don't want to consume Bears content because I'm still, I'm still pissed off about it. The Sox usually – it's easy to put it behind you. That hasn't so much been the case this year, I feel like. Some of these losses like stick with you in a way that some of the losing in years past doesn't really seem to have. Well, and I think I think we're going to get into it here. This yeah. whole show is kind of about this month of June in which, you know, I think it's it's starting to get a little later. It's starting to get yeah. a little later and uh, It's not early anymore. I mean, it's 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 they're not, you know, the the math hasn't uh, doomed them quite yet. There's still Half of a season left to play, obviously, but uh, as I say every day with Sean and Herb, I mean, they do have plenty of time to turn it around, but every day they have less time. And if they keep they keep middling, they keep doing this whole one step forward, one step back thing, every time something good happens, something else seems to go wrong, uh, the offense doesn't find some consistency in scoring with this lineup that is full of talent and short on production uh it's gonna get it's gonna get late it's gonna become too late and uh that's why this this it, it we're 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 past the point where it's like oh this is an important stretch this is an important stretch it's all an important stretch here to the end of, here to the end of the season whether it ends in early october or early november it's an important stretch and uh it's gonna be uh it's they're gonna have to do something well let me ask you both this question then because what I've been struggling to kind of figure out is why, and maybe the answers are simply injuries. I don't know, because there sure are a hell of a lot of those. But there's been a couple moments through these months that have been tough to go through, and there's now been three of them, and the June record is 12 and 15 at this point. Um, and that's, they're finished, that's how they finished the, the month of June. When they, like, go into Yankee Stadium, um, and they have that event where, you know, the bench is clear on Saturday. The event. I like how you, you know. <laughs> the event. It was scheduled. Yeah. It was a gala. It was, well, <laughs> and Josh Donaldson's head, it was scheduled apparently. Yeah, I really. think he was, uh, that was a premeditated uh, thing he did. And I happened to be there that day with my son on that trip. Um, and then we came, we were home by Sunday's doubleheader and watched both those games and they win. And you're thinking, and I think I even tweeted at the time, like this felt like a galvanizing thing that maybe gets them on the, the right track and then two weeks later they just Tim Anderson's on the IL and and uh I think their record in that two-week stretch was I think they went in another you know shitty stretch there why do you think that like they even when they had or the you know even like they score 11 runs the other night why do they follow that up with one run like what what's What's causing that? Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of things. Obviously, most of, you know, the most concerning, the number one is not playing very well, right? I mean, especially from an offensive standpoint, you got guys that have supposed to have been producing all year, guys who you were counting on to be all-star level players. I mean, uh, you know, Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Moncada, heck, you can throw Aloy Jimenez in there, even though he has been hurt for most of the season. Um the guys, the guys have a combined sub-200 batting average. These were three of the six best offensive players on your team coming into the year. Uh, Aloy Jimenez was one of Silver Slugger. Yasmani Grandal, at, at one point in recent history, was the best offensive catcher in baseball, perhaps. And uh, certainly we know all about uh, the high hopes for Moncada. They haven't done it. And uh, when that doesn't happen, you're going to have gigantic glaring holes in your lineup. Luis Robert was supposed to be an MVP candidate. That has not been the case. Uh, you know, even though his numbers have not been horrendous like some of those other guys, uh, they, they have not been MVP caliber. You have Jose Abreu playing well. You have Tim Anderson playing well. And you have Andrew Vaughn playing well. That's about the only consistency you're getting from this lineup right now. You throw the injuries in there, and there have been a ton of them, and it is impossible to have any sort of consistency in this lineup when you've only got a third of it clicking and you've got a third of it, for the most part, out for the majority of the season. Yeah, and when you talk about the injuries and consistency, I think it goes deeper than just IL stints and the big ones like Aloy missing time, like Lance Lynn missing a lot of time, is that we've seen a lot of kind of strange behavior in terms of how they're handling minor injuries, uh, you know, waiting a few days to before they put guys on the IL. Like, we have you know, half the lineup right now is clearly clearly playing injured to some extent because they're under orders to not run 100% to first base, which is you know a pretty critical baseball <laughs> Like activity, that's that's kind of A1. What do you do when you get out of the box? So if they're at that point where they're clearly not at 100% every day, and that's like four or five hitters in your lineup on any given night, 
you know, I, I think consistency isn't something that you can reasonably expect even at well, that and, point. You know? And on that point too, though, right, it's, it's all those things being true at once. It's, it's a compounding because you're not you're, – you're, those guys are under those mm-hmm. orders because you don't want to put them on the IL either because mm-hmm. you've already got a 30-year lineup sitting there, you know, unable to be used at all. You'll take what you can get from 70% of the guys who are healthy – but, man, it's a terrible, unenviable position to be in. Uh, you throw in on top of it when they ha- did have that recent stretch where things were going right for the bats, when they were scoring runs, all of a sudden the starting pitching went in the, went in the toilet for about a week and a half there. So it's been very difficult for them to, to do anything consistently. And, and you mentioned something that we've asked numerous times this season, oh, is this the turning point? Because it has happened on a, multiple occasions. You go all the way back to the last time they played the Angels, they, they make that near comeback in the yeah. ninth inning where they score five runs, and they go on a six-game winning streak. That right then, players were saying that was the turning point. That was it. That, they, that did it. We're out of it now. And then right after that, they go back to this whole middling uh, thing that they've been doing all year. You brought up that Yankee game. That looked like it was going to be the White Sox coming out party between Michael Kopech pitching so well against the best team in baseball and Tim Anderson doing what he did in emphatic fashion. And then here we are still watching this team uh, float a little under 200 or a little under 500. Excuse me. If they were under 200, that'd be real bad. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, they, they have the time to turn it around, but they, to this point, they have not played in a way that, that convinces you that they will turn it around. Uh, we had a comment up a, a couple minutes ago about Michael Kopech just asking, how are you feeling about Kopech after his last few starts? And, Zach, I know that was something you want to talk about today with his slider and curveball. Yeah, so Kopech has done a lot of tweaking around with his breaking balls uh, this year. They've been kind of hit or miss. Uh, his curveball and his slider have a tendency to run together. They're kind of too similar uh, to be as effective as they could be if they do kind of have distinct movements and velocities that are going to give hitters uh, just something else to think about. Uh, he's clearly not quite been just operating at 100% in terms of his you know, velocity and his stuff. Uh, the thing that's promising about Kopech is, you know, his the curveball has been a work in progress. It's changed a few times this year. He hasn't had great slider command for a few starts this year. We've seen him have starts where his velocity is down, in like the 91, 92 mile an hour range consistently, which if you had said that a year ago, you'd probably be pretty freaked out. But even at that level, he's still been effective enough to get outs, to work at least, you know, four or five innings into the game, get a few, a decent number of strikeouts. So, um, you know, I, I think it's it's hard to say you can expect that Kopech you got for maybe the first month of this year or out of the bullpen last year where he's coming out chucking 97 miles an hour because he's already what, like an inning or two short of his entire innings total uh, last year. I think the promising thing is that clearly, even when he's not at his peak performance, he's still a very, very good pitcher. Uh, whether we're going to see that peak performance for the rest of this year is kind of an open question. We're into the unknown as far as his workload and just how much he's pitched before in a single season. You know, yeah, so. and I mean, you bring up the unknown. It's really going to be interesting to see how the White Sox approach mm-hmm. handling him because certainly as a competitor, as a starting pitcher, he's going to want to go out and make every single start every five days. From what we've been hearing since last November, that's not likely to be the case for him just because they want to be able to manage that workload and make sure that he is strong for September and what they hope still is October. Not only that, they're trying to develop this guy for 2023 and 2024 and 2025 where he's going to be a valuable member of that rotation. I t- we talked about it last night on the podcast after the the, the third Angels game, and it, it this point kind of crossed my mind, and it was you go back to Lucas Giolito after he turned his career around, and it, he had that great year, an all-star season, and then going into the next year, it wasn't, all right, well, you can count on Lucas. It was, all right, let's see you do it again. Mm-hmm. Let's see if that mm-hmm. – make sure that wasn't a fluke. Let's make sure that you can be that all-star type presence going forward. And I think if you shrink it down to now a half season – you can say the same thing about Michael Kopech. Been fantastic, looked fantastic the first half of this season, but he's got no track record to back that up to make you think that that can be replicated over the second half of the season. You got a guy dealing with uh, a number of innings, uh, certainly in the big leagues that he's never pitched before, not to mention a, a you know a, a team plan that is going to try to, to help with that as well. Where will the fatigue be? Will there be any, and will it be significant? Can he keep producing the same results while dealing with all of that? Some big questions heading into the final three months of the season on Kopech, and that's with a guy who has looked terrific through the first half of the year. Is that like the uh, 
it just seems like that's a theme with this team is so many guys you look at, you know how talented they are. And whether now Kopech situation is a little bit different. All the things have caused the uh, lack of innings, the lack of you mentioned going into the unknown because he's he's never been to this point where he's pitched this much, and we're just going to find out how it goes. Um, but you know whether it's Aloy or Luis Robert or Yoan Mancada, it's just like you go through the team, and it, there's just so many guys where it's like. Damn it, we know they're just oozing talent. And we know that that happens in baseball where guys just never realize it. But why are there so many of those players on one team? That, in, 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 like, to Kopech's point, you, you said even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's still proving to be an effective player. Like, I feel the same way about Luis Robert. Like, even when he sometimes looks disinterested at the plate, like, he's still pretty good. But it just seems like this has become a theme throughout the development of players on this on this team. Yeah, I have to wonder, and it's impossible to say this unless you're really inside the clubhouse, like how much of it is just pressure in the sense that when you start out slow, it compounds until you break out of it. And this isn't the first time in these guys' careers that any of them have slumped, but... I think about the difference between this year's team and last year's team where you remember, you know, Yasmani Grandal was hitting like, you know, 140 two months into the season last year, you know, drawing a lot of walks, but that was the subject of a lot of angst. Yoan's power had disappeared. Uh, but you were getting contributions from guys like Jake Lamb and Brian Goodwin and Billy Hamilton came in kind of midseason to save the day. And Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets came up and started hitting immediately. And there was just, on the whole, it seemed like, a lot less pressure on those top five, top six hitters to bring their best every single night. There's no space for any of them to slump right now. If they don't slump, if they don't break out of their slumps, they're losing. And I have to imagine that that has at least some effect. And listening to, to Jason and Steve talk about the clubhouse and the broadcast sometimes, uh, it, it seems like there's just a vibe that's making it difficult to get things going sometimes. You know? I, I think it's maybe the the competitor in, in these guys, mm -hmm. too. I mean, I, I, I think you say something like that, and I'm not saying you mean it this way, but it could come off as a what's wrong with the culture, what's wrong with mm -hmm. the clubhouse kind of thing. And being in the clubhouse every day and seeing the guys that you're mentioning, they look relaxed. They look like they're going about their business like they always have, like they have in years past, like they did last year when they had a monumental lead in the, in the division. But... Up here, it could be different. And when you step into the box, when the lights turn on, it could be different. And it's a situation where maybe they're not feeling the pressure to break out of their own slump, but trying to feel the pressure to break out of the team's slump, mm -hmm. which is now half a season long, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, Yoan Mokata goes up there and it's like he sees his batting average and he's like, I got to do something right now to get that batting average up. It's maybe he sees the record and he says – I got to hit a five-run homer to get this team, you know, to back to the top of the standings. You can't do that, and it's very hard to do because these guys are such competitors. They want to win every night, win every at bat. You're absolutely right. The number one difference between this year and last year is those fill-in guys, and you and you didn't mention your mean Mercedes, who for the first <laughs> month of the year was was incredible, right? And um, the the injuries because the injuries this year are a huge story they were the huge story last year too you'll remember but the difference has been that no fill-in performances or when you have gotten them they've been very small and they've been very short-lived uh Danny Mendick was being that guy going there and then out for the season right uh Jake Berger has been that guy at times but for every home run there's an error at third base uh you know it's it's very hard to to be a consistent contributor when your defense is keeping you out of the lineup and uh, so it, the, just the sheer number, the sheer volume of guys, whether it's the guys you expected to be all-star caliber in that lineup every day or the guys that, let's face it, every single team in baseball needs to perform to get through an entire season, those guys aren't there for the White Sox this year either, and you're seeing the results in that what that record is. You mentioned how they seem relaxed in the clubhouse. I want to follow up on that in, in one second. But first, I need to tell you all that the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app. Use code CHGO when you sign up. And if you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And that's not it, because if you make a $50 more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership 
which unlocks all of our web content. You'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. Any questions about this, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we will get you squared away. If you happen to see an edge in the game you're watching, or if your favorite team's primed for a comeback, you don't just have to watch the game. You can bet along with it live with more live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. That is what PointsBet is all about. Download the PointsBet app right now. Use promo code CHGO. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Also want to tell you about another one of our great sponsors. It's called Owen. And what we have to tell you about Owen is it's stands for only what you need it's a 100 percent plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do all of their products are free of artificial ingredients allergen friendly no gluten or dairy and they are easily digestible and we first heard about owen here from chicago bears quarterback justin fields who happens to follow a plant-based diet uh, my co-host on the Bears show, Nicholas Moriano, was telling me about this like every day. And then he, I'm like, okay, well, I was out of town the week that they brought us Owen, so you need to give me one of these. And then he brought me one, and I was like, actually, it's pretty good. I, I, I like it a lot. So um, Owen and CHGO have partnered to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with that code CHGO20. That's liveowen, L-I-V-O-W-Y-N.com. And you can join us here at CHGO and Justin Fields by trying Owen only what you need. All right. So this might sound Little League of me. Well, you're a Little League manager, so that's that true. makes sense. That's true. But it is, I even going back to my playing days of playing baseball. Your Little League playing days. Well, yeah, high school too. Oh, little, okay. A little sorry. beyond it. But you're, you're the one who set up the Little League theme. I no, I know, but, but, but I'm just saying because I understand that that is far from Major League Baseball. But I still think it applies pretty much any level of baseball. If you're not having fun as a team, shit is really hard. Like, it, it is such a grind. It is such a sport that is, when you're loose, when you're having success, and the fun comes with success, especially at that level. Fun right. is winning, and winning is fun. Exactly. exactly. Um, I just, I see a team that even if they're relaxed in the clubhouse, they don't look like they're having fun. Like when NBC Sports Chicago's doing the cutaways, and may, I'm sure not having Eloy around, like that, that doesn't help because he always kept things fun and things like that. But it just seems like the pressure has gotten so high that they are just not a – and they went from, in my opinion, one of the most fun teams in the league a couple years ago and even the first half of last season to like just having it all sucked out. And I'm not putting all that blame on Tony La Russa. I think that that managerial change did have an effect in that area. I think it's more so a product of just them not having a lot of success, really, for the last calendar year now. If you look at it, they're basically being a 500 team over the last calendar year. How did they get that? First of all, do you agree with me that that is part of the problem? And two, how the hell do you get that back other than just saying, well, once we start hitting, things will be more fun? I think that it is true in a relative sense. I don't think that you or anybody would walk into that clubhouse and say, oh my God, all these guys look like they're going to a funeral or something like that. I mean, they seem similar to the way that they always do, particularly before a game. You know what I mean? They enjoy working. It's a group that enjoys going out there. They enjoy each other. You know, you can very well see when Jose Abreu is goofing around with Andrew Vaughn in the dugout or when he's, you know, got uh, Frank Menachino, you know, biting his finger or something like that. Like, they enjoy each other. They're good teammates. They're not, uh, they're not at each other's throats or anything like that, as you would suggest when maybe somebody hears trouble in the clubhouse or something like that. All that said... I've heard from a few players this year that they're that they've said, yeah, we got to get back to having more fun. We got to have more fun than we are having currently. A lot of that has to do with the results. Losing is not fun, no. and so uh, you mentioned they were one of the most fun teams in baseball two years ago. In 2020, I think is probably the year you're referring to when they were, you know, 
because of no fans there, it almost seems like the the spotlight was even greater on what the players were doing from a minute to minute basis, yeah. and like they were visibly wacky. You know what I mean? You had that whole thing where Jose Abreu would chase down Tim Anderson every time yeah, they were coming yeah. off the field and that kind of stuff. All the guys on the top step of the dugout giving each other shit all the time. I mean, uh, that that is kind of what what comes to mind. Tim Anderson is that guy. He is the heart and soul of this team, and I don't think he has changed the way he acts dramatically. But that being said, when you're losing, you're not going to be having as much fun as when you're winning. And so last year, when they were out to that massive lead in the division, two years ago when something that I think everybody forgets, they were the first team in the AL Center, or in the American League to clinch a playoff spot, yeah. uh, they were having fun because they were winning a lot. And this year, they're not winning a lot, so they're obviously having less fun. Is it a problem that is going to sink this boat? No, I think it is a result of the boat being a little underwater right now. But they will tell you that if they do that, if they have more fun, things will be better. And if things are better, they will have more fun. It kind of goes in hand, a little chicken in the egg there, but uh, that's my read on it. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there, but I want to go back to what you said about how they're basically – a 500 team since the All-Star break last year. And it makes me think about what was lost during the 2020 season in that if you think about it, not just in terms of seasons, but kind of in a linear sense, this team hasn't really learned going back to the All-Star break last year how to pull themselves out of the kind of extended slumps that all good teams go through at a certain point. You know, 2020, 2019 was very fun at a lot of times when there wasn't much in the way of pressure. 2020 was supposed to be the year that they took that leap forward, and they did. Uh, but they didn't, because of the 60-game sprint that that season was, they didn't really get a chance to go through that six, seven-month grind of ups and downs yeah. as contenders mm-hmm. when you do have the spotlight on you. And so... Their first it, down came right at the end, and it was right. a bad down, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the season was over. And it right. lasted yeah. like a whole week, you know, yeah. and then the season was over. So thinking about how, going back to the All-Star break last year, they kind of stumbled out of the gates and some of the injuries hit, and they never were able to quite consistently pull themselves out of that, and that has... Bled into this year. The lead was so big. Yeah. yeah. And so so part of me wonders if there is an element almost, it feels weird to say inexperience, because these are guys who have all been now in the major leagues, almost every single one of them, for two, three, four, five years. But there's still a lot of like new in being in a playoff race, in being in a playoff race and looking up rather than looking down, which is what they were most of last year. So, you know, like I said, there's a lot of things going on. It's always impossible to pinpoint anything in particular, especially when it comes to, you know, body language or vibes or anything but the actual game being played. But uh, I, I think about that a lot as something that is just an unfortunate reality that they kind of have to deal with. And that that question or that topic, rather, has been brought up specifically to Rick Hahn, but to other members of the organization, be it Tony LaRusso or the players, uh, repeatedly throughout the last several months. It's, hey – did did they uh, suffer from not being tested in the second mm-hmm. half last year or not being chased within the division? Uh, would the what was supposed to be a tougher division this year make it uh, make it good for them? Would it be a, a positive that they would be able to have some tests going into the playoffs? Right, I think. That, as we've found out, whether it was at the time or not, but as we found out, that was putting the cart before the horse, because now. Not only do you not do you you know are you a far way off from having to fend off anybody over the final two months of the season, you're below 500 and you got to play catch up big time if you want to catch the teams that are in front of you. Now who knows? Maybe that ends up being a positive for them that they can be hunter that they can you know not be the guys with the target on their back. But um, it it certainly ends up being silly, not silly, just it makes you chuckle a little bit to look back and think oh, we were asking before the season started, aren't you looking forward to getting tested a little bit more You know, from within your division? And here they are in third place, chasing two teams that are playing, if not much better, better, noticeably better than they are over the first three months of the year. Yeah, and that's the thing I keep coming back to that that bothers me. Like, I can I can accept the fact there's been injuries. I can accept the fact that they've gone into some of these games shorthanded and even Tony LaRussa is handcuffed with some of these decisions he gets criticized for because of the lack of options and probably why he needs to rely on Larry Garcia as much as he does, just as one example. But this shitty baseball... Is that, st- Herb, is that Herb Lawrence over there ripping Larry Garcia? What? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, it just... But the just the shitty baseball at times is what... It's like insulting to watch. Like, that doesn't have to affect the 
the baseball IQ that sometimes seems to be lacking or wandering off second base too far. Like you really are hung up on the Sebi, the Sebi Zavala base. Well, that's run. just like the the latest. <laughs> I'm just example. I'm just joking. That was yeah. not it was not pretty. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> but there's and it's just it happens every day, whether it's that or something else. And it's not always the same players. That's what's the frustrating thing. It's like then all of a sudden. Again, earlier this week, out of nowhere, Jose Abreu's dropping a baseball. He can't pick it up. It's like, what? Where's this coming from? Every day, it's something else, and that's what... Well, and it's magnified, too, right? It's mag- When well, it happens... Every team takes advantage of it But what, I'm just saying, like, yeah. when it happens, yeah. you, as the fan, because you've watched every game, yeah. go, oh, my God, not again, and they're going to lose again, and their record is what it is. If they were... You know, if they were making all these mistakes in the field, but still hitting a bunch of home runs and well over 500, you might not be harping on it as much, but it is a, an accumulated part of the frustration that has been the entire season. Well, I would still argue, though, that it, it, it which is something I've been harping on now for like three years, I don't think they play good enough defense to win a World Series. I mean, you don't have to think that. And, they don't play very right. good defense, right? And, and, <laughs> and, and, and that's the other thing that I feel like is somewhat getting ignored with how crappy they are playing overall and the fact they are under 500. Like, one of my original fears, even just going into the season, was um, if you can't hit right handed pitching and you can't catch a baseball, how are you supposed to be taken seriously as a World Series contender? Well, right, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's that it's that there are it's the thing in there was that and, right? Yeah. Because they're supposed to have a lineup that can cover that stuff up. They're supposed to have a lineup and a pitching staff that can cover that up, and they have not had that lineup. Or they whether they have the lineup or not, it hasn't performed to the point where it can cover it up. The pitching staff's been pretty good for the most mm-hmm. part. Certainly, the rotation looks like a rotation that if you went into the playoffs with it, you'd be very confident if you were the White Sox. I think, but. How confident can you be when you're scoring three runs a game? Yeah, and that's it's a combination of sort of poor foresight and just straight-up bad performance because you can get away with an awful defense. You can get away with A.J. Pollock in left, who's been you know statistically by most measures one of the worst left fielders in baseball. You've got you know Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn splitting time around the corners too. And the justification there is that you're thinking, okay, we are sacrificing a lot of defensive value in the outfield because we're going to have Gavin Sheets mashing righties in there because A.J. Pollock is just a good professional hitter uh, because Andrew Vaughn, having Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez's bats in the lineup is worth that defensive downgrade, but uh, they, they just have not held up that end of the bargain. Pollock has been pretty mediocre for most of the season, if not you know, very subpar, and Sheets, um, whatever we saw out of him last year, is you know, flashy at best, and then all of a sudden you have black holes in the lineup and black holes in the field. And that's just really, really hard to come back from at any level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you, you only very briefly touched on Aloy Jimenez. If we're talking about the big picture, certainly that is the big picture question with Aloy, you know, it involves his defense out there and left and certainly uh, maybe more so now how it affects his health more than how it affects, uh, you know, the number of runs that the team is giving up, but he's supposed to be out there hitting 30 to 40 home runs. And his, because of that, because of that defense at times, obviously a base running injury that has knocked him out this year, uh, he's not even able to be in the lineup at all, let alone be in the lineup and struggle. So um, he is a gigantic key to the second half of this season, to the next three months. He's got to come back and he's got to do what he's supposed to do, which is be a uh, silver slugger caliber, an all-star caliber uh, hitter in the middle of that lineup because boy, do they need it. And boy, do they need some power because that, you know, as great as Tim Anderson has been, heck, Jose Abreu, you know, the last month's getting on base like 42% of the time or something like that. But the home runs that we usually see from Jose Abreu aren't there necessarily right now. So even these guys who are playing well are not doing the thing that, that needs to happen in order for them to turn this around and win. It's, uh, it, it's an unfortunate reality right now. I don't know if there's anything you can necessarily do to fix it because, uh, you know, what I keep saying, you know, when people say they need to fire the manager, people say they need to make some giant shakeup, I go, does that, does doing that, whether you're firing the hitting coach, firing the manager, trading somebody, whatever, does that all of a sudden make Yasmani Grandal's batting average go up 100 points? Because it doesn't. 
and it won't. And oh, but it makes it makes me feel better, and that's what matters. <laughs> that's what matters. There you yeah, go. Yeah. All right. I don't care about Yezmani. You don't care if they actually win because of it. You just no. It'll just <laughs> it'll 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 help my mental health. Gotcha. So yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. I want to. I think this is from Sean. I want to give him proper credit if sure. he's the one that put this in here. But these are interesting, and the delusional part of my White Sox brain wants to come out when I see these. But looking ahead at the eighty-eight games left on the schedule, okay. There are 10 games against teams dubbed playoff-caliber teams. So that would be Houston, the Padres, and the Giants. So three of those are this weekend, too. Okay. Um, Then you have the divisional opponents, which are, of course, um, the the Twins and the Indians in terms of contenders there. swear jar there, Hogue. What'd I do? Oh, I did. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I think that's the first time I've done that this season, actually. Okay. Which I'm proud of myself, but that's yeah that that would that would be the guardians, the guardians, <laughs> the G men, the G men, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, anyway, you have the 16 games against the Twins, 14 games against Cleveland, which you can either view as I mean you kind of need to view those as opportunities, right? Um, <laughs> that's who you got to beat if, you, if yeah, you're going to win the division, right? Well, it's either going to go good or it's going to go poorly. I, I guess the thing that really stands out though, there are 41 games against teams that are rebuilding. Arizona. That's baseball right now for you. Baltimore, Colorado, Detroit, Kansas City, and Oakland. And Sean also notes that 31 of those 41 are coming after their teams probably sell off pieces at the trade deadline. Sure. So, I mean, it's not that hard to talk yourself into the idea of players return from injuries. They get healthier. The schedule gets a lot easier, and – if you can actually win some games against the Twins and the G-Men, um, you're all of a sudden back in this thing. Uh, is that crazy or well? And and that's delusional? the I mean I that's the thing is it's these it's these it's these very contrasting ideas that, to be honest, make it interesting to see what's going to happen, yeah. right? Because everybody is so sick. Uh, from a fan standpoint, of hearing Rick Hahn and Tony La Russa and, and the players and me, I guess, at times, say there's plenty of time left. There's plenty of time. They're going to get healthy. They've had all these injuries. And that whole, which I'm getting sick of hearing too a little bit, the back of the baseball card, the whole everybody's going to play. You know, these are guys who are supposed to be good. They're playing bad now. You would think they're going to get better. At some everybody's- point, though, like guys with Yohan, sorry to interrupt you, like the back of the baseball card – starting to look not that great overall he's he's dragging it down but I guess the point being that what I would say is while everybody's sick of hearing that that's not wrong none of that is wrong it's just that the White Sox have done nothing over the first half of this season it's not just the first month it's not just the first you know few games at this point it's the first half of the season they've done nothing yet to show that that's what they're going to do and until they show that that's what they're going to do there's no reason to believe that that's what they're going to do. And so both of those things are true at the same time, and it's they're, they're complete opposites for some reason, but it's going to be interesting to see if they ever pick it up and get this done. Yeah, it's easy to look at the schedule. I, I'm not usually a schedule watcher, but I will admit that I looked at the next few months and the rest of the season like it was just laid out, and I did kind of have a, wow, there are a lot of really bad teams on the schedule. But we've also spent... Like you said, the first half of this year, we just saw them lose three of four to the Orioles. You know, they've been they can beat Detroit, but you know the struggles against Kansas City go back a few years now. Those aren't those aren't guaranteed. And the way I'm thinking of it is that they just need they're going to need to go on one of those you know 15 and five, 16 and four, just don't really lose much for two or three weeks straight runs uh, to get back into it. And whether that comes in July against the division. Uh, whether that comes in August or September against different competition is almost, I don't want to say putting the cart before the horse, but it's, you got to win those games eventually. And even if they, it's not the end of the world if they don't do that against the Twins in Cleveland and Detroit, I don't think. Because if they have that run in August after losing two of three a few times to those teams, it still might not matter. You'll need more help from the rest of the league. uh, But... I, I almost feel like saying these three weeks, these are the ones that make or break the season. I mean, we've kind of been maybe not saying make or break, but it sort of seems like for the last two months, it's been like, okay, this is the series. This is the stretch. Now we need to get it going. And 
I don't know, maybe maybe if they do go and get swept and go, you know, 5-10 and 10 during that stretch, maybe it is over. And maybe that's what you have to worry about. But mm-hmm. as far as them winning, I, almost, I like to zoom out a little bit and say it's maybe not quite as critical that they go, you know, 12-3 and three and they sweep a few series and uh, – there, just just get back on the right track and set yourself up to get to a point where you can beat whoever for two weeks straight. I'll say know? I'll say this, and I, I think I said it in a different way earlier in the show. You say you know we keep waiting for the three weeks make or break the season mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think the next three months make or break the season, <laughs> right? I mean that's where you are. We were just I think it was coming was it come coming into this Angel series or maybe after the first game or something like that. Somebody we were talking about the idea of there's 90 games left on the schedule, right? And the and that they if they're going to get to that 90 win, 90 something wins that we that everybody kind of predicted they would for being one of the contenders in the American League, they'd have to go 60 and 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 30 over the final 90 games. That's winning every series. Yeah, that's that's an average of winning every single three. series. They'd have to win fifty six games from this point on. Yeah, yeah. so you've got to you've got to basically win every three game series, and that is very crazy to think that and, it could happen for this the White Sox the way they've been playing. Now, in a weird way, it's almost like the schedule's opposite this year. Like in terms of not only how it's set up, but also uh, the way it's been managed by Tony a little bit. Like he's. He's almost managed his first half like he managed the second half when they were just, like, kind of playing out the string to get to the playoffs. And I almost wonder if, like, they're trying to do it opposite because I don't know if that actually paid off in the end with how they played. Um, they had they had some injuries at the end of last right. season that they didn't – that they were, you know, probably would rather have not experienced, you know, certainly in the pitching staff. And then it was the starting pitching that was the story there in the uh, in the LDS. Is We got to shout out the Super Chat here. Yep. Uh, we got – Stephen Bardo. Something tells me it's not really Stephen Bardo. <laughs> it's a Stephen Bardo. Stefan yeah. Bardo. Stefan Bardo. There you go. Uh, thank you for the super chat. Bad weather, dead ball injuries, soft schedule. That's that's a whole that's a whole bunch of negative things that are piling up. You're absolutely that's, correct. That's, and then the, you can't see it on your screen, but there is an eye roll emoji too on the end, the follow up. I see. So maybe that has to do with Which, some. Uh, I think he's pointing he's, out all the excuses. He's that sick of hearing yeah. some excuses. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, listen. At the end of the day, you can be sick of excuses all you want because the only thing that they that matters to them is the only thing that matters to you right now. They just got to win, and right now uh, they're not doing a whole lot of it. But uh, that's that's the only remedy for uh, what ails them right now. And stop ruining my summer evenings. Hey, if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app. Use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of Vinny's outstanding web content and all of our web content across CHGO, and you get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com. We'll help you out. And... If in case you missed it somehow at this point, online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now. Register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. And when you do that, you'll be signing up with the fastest sports book, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. What are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call one 4700 All right. Um, we got some questions. Don't yes, we? that's what yeah. I was about to get to. Is Mailbag Thursday here? On Gotta the, love the alliteration. Yes, there, there it is. <laughs> um, so some questions that have come in to mainly Herb and Sean who aren't yeah. here. So, but we can right. we, we can, can answer these two. And Zach should I should we you. answer them as them and just go on real angry rants? Yeah, yeah. We'll, I, we'll do our we'll do I, our I would best. Have to I'm not swear I'm not more than I usually do. <laughs> I'll drop one here and there, but it's not. I don't have quite have the same vocabulary as Herbie. Um, here's a mailbag question, and actually, Zach just kind of touched on this. Depending on our overall record for July, would you guys uh, say this month will be a make it or break it point for the playoff hopes? It, there, there are two, you know, opposite ends to this point where it could be, you know, a make or break if you get that top 20th percentile outcome where they do run the table there and go, you know, 17 and eight or something like that. Maybe it does make it if they go in that bottom 20, 20th percentile and they go eight and 17 and lose all those games to the division, then it probably does break it. 
if you wind up somewhere in the middle, which is what they've been doing all year, what right? they've been doing all year, and is you know, based on that history, seems like the most likely thing to happen going forward. Uh, you know, it wouldn't if they emerge from this stretch still two, three, four, five games under five hundred, or even at five hundred, a game or two above. Have we really changed? positioning here are we not I guess you know kind of depends on how the rest of the division is doing but I think the most light likely outcomes we get here are probably not going to make the season really sink or swim so. yeah I, I would I would agree with that and I do think that they probably will do that end up kind of in the middle just be just because that's what they've done so far yeah. um Rick Hahn was asked a few weeks back you know is there a potential for them selling at the deadline? And he was kind of like, like shocked, but not shocked by the question. He's, he knows the record. He's watched all the games, but kind of it, it hit him that, you know, why would the White Sox be sellers? They're, they're, they're positioned to win. They're built to win right now. We didn't go through the whole rebuild just to sell at the trade deadline. Um, And, and I think that that's, that's fine. That's fine to have that opinion because it's, that's what. That's the truth. You didn't sacrifice those seasons to end up in a losing season. Do every single thing you can until the math actually eliminates you to try and accomplish your goals. I don't know if they will be in a position where they would go out and, you know, we talk about it all the time. How can you break the bank in a trade when your minor league system is what it is for the White Sox? But um, they have to try to improve the team. They just have to because they're in a winnable division. They are not going to be eliminated as as the reigning World Series champion showed you. You can be under 500 at the trade deadline and still win the World Series. I think the White Sox will hold on to that. They are going to try to make this team better uh, until the math says that they can't. I think the comment we had up, a moment ago from Dan Outlaw is what I agree with. It's not a make it month, but it could be a break it month. The thing that's just starting to make me a little nervous is when you look at that wild card gap and you start to see you're five games behind even in that with an extra spot. Like it's like, oh, wait a minute, that's that's starting to get a little tricky there. Uh, and so it's a reminder of the of how deep the hole that they've they've dug yeah. for themselves is. Yeah, and all of a sudden that that goes to you know, eight or something yeah. like that at the end of July. You're like, Ew. even though the schedule's relatively easy after that, it makes you nervous. Um, let's fly through these last couple questions too. Pale Hose Mike asking uh, if you guys were White Sox players, what would be your walk-up music for stepping into the box? I feel like Vinny, I mean, this should have been sent to you, first of all. <laughs> um, what, what would be your answer? I've got my, I've got my walk-up song, uh, and I'll, I'll throw another bonus answer in here in a second, but my walk-up song is uh, Working for MCA by Leonard Skinner. I think that uh, the that that band, as well as the Black Keys, they have these song opening riffs that are perfect for walk-up songs. I'll go with Working for MCA. That's my all-time walk-up song. But the question specifically asked if you were a White Sox player. Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and go off the board there. I'll say... Uh, Jay Giles' band, The Southside Shuffle, just for thematic reasons there, would be my White Sox walk-up song specifically. Okay. You got one? Yeah, I think, especially if it, I didn't think of it as just being a White Sox player, but it kind of fits because you got you to gotta keep it local. I would, I would lean towards something by, like, a, a Kanye, a Gierbo, a Chief Keef, someone who really is... Southside. So These are musical I, I think, artists. I'm yeah, I like to believe. I, I right, think. Okay. I'm I think hip one, enough to follow. <laughs> the one that I might settle on is uh, is Sosa Chamberlain by by Chief Keef. I would have to say. So, okay. Um, I would probably just stick to my favorite Led Zeppelin and go with the Immigrant Song. There you go. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. For a, so last year. Uh, the last two years, maybe even, uh, Yasmani Grandal's walk-up song was When the Levy Breaks. Yeah, that's another Which was tremendous. This year, he has changed it oh, to Whoop, Jack, There It Is by Tag Team. There was Jack Harlow in there, too, for him. Like Very like, upsetting. Yeah, yeah, not a great... I, not I a mean, great I, could, I could make a pretty strong listening. argument right there that that, that change that alone might be it. is the problem. <laughs> you got to go back to Zeb. Going to Whoop, There It Is? <laughs> I mean, you can make changes, but What? <laughs> Okay, uh, one more from Alex here. Uh, he says he's got something that could be a mailbag question. Well, now it is. Curious to see what you think about Pito season. Has he ever looked this good in June? I'm not used to seeing these numbers in the first half. Is 2022 going to be one of those top two to three seasons of Abreu's career? Wow, did that shift. Mm -hmm. Just the fact right. that we're getting a question like that after what it looked like uh, uh, even like a month ago. 
That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. Jose Abreu actually said, was it after, I think he, after he won the MVP, that, uh, you know, because he got the new contract before the 2020 season, and he is not a guy to uh, say a foul word about anybody ever. Mm-hmm. But he said after, after, the, after he won the MVP, he heard the calls, whether it was through our questioning or whatever, that people were not happy with the new contract because of the age. And why would you give a, uh, a, a, a three-year deal to somebody who uh, is, uh, is going in the quote-unquote wrong direction for an age standpoint uh, when it comes to production? And he was happy that he had proved them wrong, that he had, had done that. He he just continues to do that exact same yeah. thing. And, uh, you know, you've obviously got the guys in New York going nuts. Jose Abreu is unlikely to win another MVP this season. Put that emphatic of a stamp on it. But he very well could be the biggest, the best hitter on this team. And that's even, you know, if everybody turns it around, too. Listen, he's Mr. Consistency. I call him every day, Jose, because it's just the same thing. Every day you know you're going to get the production from him. You, go, you know you're going to get it at the end of the year. I think a lot of people were probably of that opinion even when he was struggling earlier this season. You know, man, this is frustrating now, but, yeah, it's Jose Abreu. He'll figure it out, and boy, has he figured it out. Uh, as, as the questioner mentioned, the on-base right now is just out of this world, the number of walks he's taking, uh, you know, a, a guy who can be that power hitter is taking the singles right now. And, I mean, he's just an incredible hitter. He has been his whole time that he's been on this team, that he's been in this country, you know, that he's been in any country, really. And uh, it's it's fantastic to be able to see. And all those talk, all that, you know, I don't want to say talk, but all that rumbling, that mumbling in spring training, that maybe this is the swan song for Abreu, who knows? And I think there's probably a lot of people that might look up at the end of the year and say, yeah, I'll give that another contract. Yeah. Why not? Well, it felt like it in early May, but he's certainly turned things around. Um Zach, thanks so much for being here. We got to get out of here, but it was awesome having you here. Follow him at Pine Tar Keyboard on Twitter for his outstanding coverage. And I apologize because we did not get to your piece on Shohei Otani, but that is your latest baseball prospectus article, so people should check that out. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah. It's my pinned one, at least. Oh, it's pinned. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Did you have fun watching him last night? I mean, you're the I'm, White Sox fan, so probably not, but he's pretty good. As a baseball fan, <laughs> I, you know, I just keep I keep getting upset that they keep missing him when he comes into Chicago. Like, if he's going to dice them up every time, I might as well get to see it in person. Right, at right? least let the fans <laughs> come out for it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Our Pine Tar keyboard for Zach Hayes. Appreciate him being here. Vinny Duber, at Vinny Duber. You can, uh, you know, of course, you're going to get a lot of Bears stuff if you follow me at Adam Hogue. But you'll, you'll, get also, your, uh, you'll get the occasional Larry Garcia complaint, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, the whiny White Sox tweets usually come out about 9 p.m. at night if you want those. So, um, <laughs> After you, the kids go to bed, yeah, right? Yeah, kids go to bed, TV comes on, <laughs> old-fashioned comes out, and then, you know, tears follow, uh, something like that. It's a very sad existence. Uh, it was fun filling in here today, though, and um, I assume our guys will be back tomorrow. Wasn't briefed on that, but they'll be back on Sunday, I believe. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah you guys do no the show Sunday on Sunday. Thursday. We'll be back on Tuesday. Oh, that's right. They got the holiday weekend. Herb is in California, so this is a little bit of an extended hiatus coming up here for the uh, White Sox, uh, the CHGO White Sox show. But uh, Tuesday, I'll be back at the ballpark. Awesome. Uh, you got the White Sox and the Twins will be in the middle of that series, uh, and uh, the boys will be back here in the studio for uh, all of your uh, podcasting pleasure. I'm headed to Minnesota tonight, so I'm gonna try. I'll work some voodoo on the Twins while I'm there go. this weekend. There you go. Okay, I'll try to. I'll try to buy work a TC out. Bear voodoo doll. Well, <laughs> yes, TC Bear. It's hard to hate that guy. He's a friendly guy. He's just he's a friendly he's got a mascot. Smile. He yeah. looks cuddly. It's like uh, absolutely the like Staley the Bear is a little bit more angry looking. TC oh, the Bear yeah. is like cute. You want to so. stay away from Staley the Bear. Yeah, but uh, TC Bear, he's <laughs> thumbs up on him. All right, fun show today. Appreciate everybody watching, listening. Please hit that subscribe button, the like thing. We're doing some great stuff here at CHGO. We appreciate all of your support. So Tuesday is the comeback for the CHGO White Sox podcast. See you then. <laughs>